This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. What will you choose? No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+. plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Real EFL League One podcast, the podcast where we take a look at all the wonderful action that England's third tier has to offer each weekend. And Merry Christmas to you all, if you celebrate. We hope you've had a wonderful time, regardless of whether your side won this weekend or not. Boxing Day is usually hyped up as one of the most exciting days for fans of English football across the entire pyramid, and it certainly didn't disappoint this time round. There were some huge results with repercussions up and down the table, and there's absolutely loads to get through in this one, so let's not waste any more time. I'm your host, Adam Scully, and I hope you all enjoy the following episode. If you do... Please leave us a five-star rating on the podcast platform of your choice. It will be the best Christmas present you could give us this weekend. Not this weekend, this week. Now, without further ado, let's get into the action. And of course, I won't be on my own to delve through all the weekend's events. I'm joined today by a man who will one day celebrate a victory on this podcast. It's Ivan Newsom. Ivan, how are you? How was your Christmas? Yeah, it was all good. Thank you. Um, I probably wouldn't say Carlisle made it any better now that we're at the bottom of the table. But at least we weren't bottom of the table for Christmas. That's true. (laughs) <laughs> that is very true, but we'll get on to the Carlisle United game very shortly because it was, of course, one of the the bigger games, we'll say, of the weekend with the, the, the most repercussions with the with the results. But, you know, we'll, we'll, I'll get your take on that shortly. There were some also some, some massive talking points and there was a lot of news surrounding League One this week because of the upcoming January transfer window. However... They weren't the only, there was actually a member of this podcast that was on the news this week. Adam, welcome back to the podcast. Talk to me about the article that went out today. I read it about 10 minutes before we came on the podcast. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, uh, thanks. Merry Christmas, everybody, first of all. And um, yeah, I um, I did a follow-up interview after my tumour diagnosis last year, Um that was about eight weeks ago, and I wasn't actually tipped off that it was going to be published on Boxing Day. Uh, but yeah, it's just really uh, an article sort of thanking people for the help during the treatment and uh, trying to give some inspiration to others for uh, positivity and hopefully um, in the new year get some charity events uh, organised for brain tumour 
research. So uh, I might be plugging that on the podcast at some point. Well, but, you can plug uh, the article here. So tell people where they can read the article if they want to find out more. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll tweet it out, definitely. Thank Amazing. You. We will jump right into the action this weekend because there's so much to cover. And probably, I want to say, not the biggest result, but certainly one of the biggest results this weekend was that Portsmouth away streak in League One this season is now dead, just like their unbeaten streak was a couple of weeks back. Bristol Rovers 2, Portsmouth 1. Bristol Rovers going into this game are actually unbeaten at home since I believe the beginning of September. So it was there was a lot at stake going into the game in terms, you know, you had one unbeaten streak at home and you had an unbeaten streak away from home. Both could have potentially continued if it had been a draw, of course, but thankfully, not thankfully, but at least there was some excitement as Portsmouth Street came to an end, which kind of, I don't want to say it blew the title race wide open because there's still so much football left, but it was it's certainly interesting for the title race. And we'll get on to Peterborough United shortly. They'll be absolutely kicking themselves that they didn't get all three points this weekend at home to Reading as a result of Portsmouth uh, losing three points against Bristol Rovers. But... Anthony Evans opened the scoring for Bristol Rovers, but Paddy Lane shortly after equalised. And just 10 minutes later, Paddy Lane came off the bench, of course, and he scored the equaliser. There was an incident. I've, I think, I mean, Portsmouth were looking for, or Bristol Rovers, sorry, were looking for a foul in the build-up to the goal. It was, it was a, I think it was Finlay may have believed he was fouled, and, and I don't think he was. He went over quite, it was quite soft the way he went over. But anyway. It wasn't given. Paddy Lane comes in. It's a really nice finish tucked into the corner. Portsmouth had some really good opportunities in the fourth half, especially one, I believe it was. Colby Bishop actually got on the end of it. It was a really, really good opportunity and he couldn't quite steer a home. I think it, him and the keeper collided at the same time. The keeper got there first. It was a good save. Bristol Rovers did take the late part of the equalise. And then, so late in the game, Luke Thomas, who actually scored at Fratton Park on the opening day of the season, to make it 1-0 Bristol Rovers at the time, back in August. I think Cassini Yengi actually scored late in that game to equalise for Portsmouth. This time around, it was Bristol Rovers who scored in stoppage time through Luke Thomas, the man who Joey Barton once called an idiotic young boy. He popped up with the winner for Bristol Rovers. A really, really impressive win by Bristol Rovers. They're up to 10th in the table now. That was their 8th win of the season. They're second in three games. They've been slightly inconsistent, but now because of Northampton Town's result this weekend, they are up to 10th. I think, in my own opinion, a top six pursuit is a little... I mean, I know some people were tipping them for maybe to, to make a, a, a run for the, the promotion spots this season, the playoff spots. I don't really think so. I think they're still so far off. I mean, they're currently 12 points off. There's a lot of football left to play, but I just don't think they are as strong as some of the sides that are pushing for promotion it was just a a really impressive win all over for Bristol Rovers I think even just statistically the fact that they won with 37% of the ball you would have expected Portsmouth to have more of the ball especially because they were well they weren't chasing the game for that long but I suppose they were they were chasing the winner even when Paddy Lane scored the equaliser you could they they barely celebrated it was just get the ball and we go and we'll win this that of course did backfire they, they almost came away with a point Bristol Rovers now face Charlton Athletic at home on Friday, another home game, which will be interesting because we'll get on to Charlton Athletic soon. But they picked up, or they they suffered a, a very disappointing result this weekend, their first loss in quite a few weeks. Whereas Bristol Rovers face Exeter City 
away from home on Friday night, which will be a very, very tasty game because Exeter City just picked up their first win in 13 League One games. Yeah, incredible. Absolutely incredible. We'll get on to that game shortly too. However, next up, and I'll come I'll come to you, Adam, on this. Peterborough United to Reading to speaking of Portsmouth dropping points. Peterborough United failed to capitalize on Bristol Rovers win this weekend. They drew two all with Reading, which is Johnny Hunt, who will be listening to this podcast. He's a he's a regular on the podcast, will be absolutely delighted. It was a fantastic game, wasn't it, Adam? Yeah, I've um I've watched the highlights and uh I think of all the highlights of the League One games, I think this um gave rise to the most minutes of highlights because it was obviously a good game. Um I think Peterborough, as you'd expect, started very strong. Um I think they had a they had a few opportunities uh, early on, and then probably with the play they uh, they took the lead. Uh, I was flicking through the scores because the uh, Wigan match that will come to in a moment wasn't great, so I was having a flick through the scores. And when when they scored, Peterborough, I thought, yeah, Reading's all right when they get in front, but are they going to get on now? Peterborough, great run. Are they going to just kick on and win this easily? But for a player to Reading, obviously I watched a lot of them last week because they played Reading, uh, they played Wigan. Um, and yeah, I was very impressed again by the way they came back in the uh, in the second half. Um, Sam Smith obviously equalised. Um, Do you think that was his goal, by the way? I was kind of surprised maybe a little bit that that was given as his goal because it yeah, looked exactly. as though he kind of just drilled it across goal. And they, to be honest, these days, I don't even know. It's, it's the is this actually a committee, the GBS Goals Committee? Or is it? It's one of those, isn't it? You, uh, you, you, it's like IFAB, isn't it? You always think, who's actually on that committee? Does it, yeah. does it really exist? But I think um, all the records seem to give it to uh, to Smith. I mean, it was a good move. Um, and then I, I think the goal of the game for me was um, Mason Clark's. I uh, thought, really good build-up. And uh, I think he would kind of give the goalkeeper the eyes and stuck it, not necessarily where you'd expect him to have thought he's a phenomenal uh, goalkeeper. Uh, Goalkeeper, (laughs) goalscorer. He might be a good goalkeeper as well, but he's uh, (laughs) certainly a good uh, goalscorer. What I forgot to mention earlier is that it was clearly expected that they'd score. I think Peterborough on a run of something like 19 consecutive games now, scoring the goal. Obviously, the set piece at the start, you know, the first goal was great, uh, well worked, good ball in. Um, but for a player to Reading, you know, they came came back again. Um, and the Seas, who, um, let's just say, for Wigan fans, doesn't really, uh, we're not really uh, a massive fan of him because of the way he celebrated last year because his brother, did, brother didn't get a look in at Wigan. Uh, but I have to say, the last two games, he's scored two fantastic goals. Um, what a strike to uh, to equalise. And it's clear that they're fighting, you know, they've had a lot of stuff thrown at them, but they're, they're fighting away and um, you're not going to rule them out. I mean, you just hope, like we Wigan last season and Reading as well, that fate isn't decided off the pitch. You know, you, you you want it. Those players are obviously 
really working hard, playing for the manager, picking up some good results. So you, you'd hope moving forward that it's going to be decided on the pitch, but you just don't know really what the next thing is like last year with Wigan. You never knew what the next thing to happen might be behind the scenes. So that's just hope there's no more points deductions in this league. And we know mm-hmm. we play from the halfway point, sort of where we are now, rather than any points deductions, because we've both had them already. Well, I remember reading a tweet not long ago, and may have only been a week ago, because it's a Christmas period time, it's just warped, warped into kind of one whole day for me, so I don't actually know when the tweet was. I believe it was at some point last week. Journalist James Earnshaw, I believe, tweeted about Ruben Sellers in his uh, pre-match or post-match press conference, and they were saying that he looked visibly defeated because there was rumours that staff were being laid off and things like that. And, and you can imagine that would take its toll on you. I mean, this guy was... You know, Southampton were relegated last season, but they were, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was relegation from the Premier League and you were going down to the Championship and you were getting your parachute payments and okay, relegation is never a good thing, but it wasn't to this extent where people are losing their livelihoods, they're losing their jobs and you're the manager of a team and, and you, that team alone aren't even given the, the, the staff behind the scenes and the fans that boost because they're losing on the pitch as well. And it's just, for, for an inexperienced manager, that's a lot of, kind of bored in the taking yeah. his shoulders but I think he's done okay and and yeah, if they well. weren't yeah they, I mean they would be outside the relegation zone without that point seduction and also if Exeter City didn't win this weekend I mean coincidentally Exeter City finally win a game and it's the one time Reading can come out of the relegation zone yeah. do you think they can yeah. stay out of the relegation zone Adam? Yeah I mean I think they've got enough quality and uh, I mean last year Wigan's situation was obviously a lot more difficult because it was the championship as well but I can relate to it because there was the game just before the game we played against Burnley, which was mm. going to be a tough game anyway last season. Um, news came through that the players hadn't been paid again and Sean Maloney did look broken in that interview because he'd already sort of rallied the troops and we were starting to play a lot better and then he had to deal with that again. And... You know, fair play to him and Gregory Ott that they've hung around pretty much everybody else in terms of uh, the board and recruitment and all that kind of stuff has gone out the door and those two those two are left. So I very much sympathise with the sellers in this situation. It's so difficult when things... You talk about managing up. Why can you manage up when mm. really they're not really talking to you? Um, it must be really deflated. And the players, you know, they're giving their all. They're picking up really good points. I mean, that's an excellent point at Peterborough yesterday. I mean, you might have said that they'd have targeted Wigan last week, uh, but the point at Peterborough was outstanding, really, and um, that could get taken away from them because mm. if it's if they don't pay the players again, there's another pending suspended points deduction in there as well. So, I just like I said, I just really hope, you know, because the... the as we are as proper football fans, we don't want any club to be going through this. There's rivalries, mm-hmm. but you, you don't want any club to be going through this. I know myself what it's like. It's horrible. And um, yeah, let's let's hope that Reading and Wigan both manage to keep the statuses this year in League One. It certainly and, is horrible. And Carlisle but... oh, sorry, as well, but... obviously. <laughs> don't know how likely that one is. <laughs> it's certainly. They, the players certainly gave the fans a very nice uh, kind of late Christmas present, I suppose, with, with a huge 
win against Peterborough United, or not win, it felt like a win, a huge draw away at Peterborough United, because I don't think anybody expected Reading to get out of there with even a point. So that was a massive, massive point on the road. And their next game as well, which is huge, absolutely huge. As as you said, actually, off air, Adam, this is a, a six-pointer against Cheltenham Town, who also won this weekend, and both sides now are locked on 19 points. Whereas for Peterborough United, they have a big enough game, I suppose, against Barnsley at home. I mean, it's not a massive game, but Barnsley are still pushing for that playoff spot, and they're sitting just outside the top six, so that will still be a very, very big game. And now over to you. Speaking of of, of Reading getting a point, a side who picked up a massive, massive Three points this weekend, Ivan. Is Exeter City, a 13-game winless run, finally comes to an end, and they pick up three points. Talk to me about this game. Yeah, I think it would have been absolutely hilarious if this had been uh, a draw, considering I think Wickham now are on a 10-game winless Mm -hmm. run themselves. Um, So it almost seemed like it was fate to be a draw. And, well, huge credit to Exeter. They've finally done it. They've kept the guy called well. And maybe this could be a good time for them to start getting a or at least putting a few wins together. Like you mentioned earlier, if they hadn't if they hadn't won, they'd be in the relegation zone. So it's um yeah, it's huge three points for them. Um and yeah, like to snap that losing streak, I, when there's well, you've got a fairly quick turnaround with the game on mm-hmm. uh I think they're playing on Friday, aren't they? So yeah, yeah so it's, it's a really good time to do it. And I think Caldwell will be really pleased with the um the player that did score. Uh, was 19-year-old Sonny Cox, who he's only recently um, returned... Um, sorry, he's only just recently returned to Exeter mm-hmm. on loan from... Um, after his loan from Yeovil. Um, and he's really well to... Well, I say really well. He was in the right place at the right time to latch onto a Jack Aitchison um, deflected cross. I think he's got his head to it, but it might be his chest, but it's hit with body part and it's gone in. Um, and yeah, so I think... Bringing Sonny Cox in, he's a player who I'm a huge fan of. So I watch him, I'm down at university in Bath, and I watch him play for Bath uh, City on loan quite a few times mm-hmm. back in last season. Um, and I think he could, I mean, he's still very young, but he could be the answer for extra in the long term. Um, I think because he's, he's came through the academy, he's definitely got that bit of fight in him. And I think that's something that was definitely on show um, on Tuesday. Um, and that would be the de- deciding goal in the game. Um, and that's despite Wickham getting a penalty in the 94th minute. I personally... Talk to me about the decision, by the way, because I found it wild. Yeah, I don't think it's a penalty. And I, well, looking on um, looking on Twitter, I think almost every single extra fan will probably also agree with me. <laughs> I've watched it multiple times, slowed it down, and I just can't, I can't see how the referee's given that, especially given... Um, the circumstances being in the 94th minute as and well. And it's a shoulder. Yeah, just, yeah. But luckily, luckily for Exeter, it did not matter. Um, with Sinsalo making a huge save from Luke Lee to um, ensure the Gresham's all three points. It's a really good save as well. He's got down um, really well yeah. down to his left. Um, and I think I was just watching a few of the videos after the game of all the Exeter fans chant, um, chanting his name. And you can see just how big those three points are. I think that now means that Wickham now own the worst record in the league and I think it's winless in 11. Yeah. And I'd previously been saying Caldwell would probably be the next manager in the sack, but I'm going to change that to Bloomfield now. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at the record. It's genuinely terrible. 
genuinely woeful. They're they're on what what did you say? 10, 11 games now? Yeah, I think it's eleven. They're absolutely yeah. flying down the table or falling down the table. <laughs> yeah. No, it's really, really disappointing. And their next game actually is against Leighton Orient, who away from home, who picked up a very, very nice three points this weekend. Whereas Exeter City, they got a massive win, thankfully, because their next game is at home to league leaders Portsmouth. Although, if I'm to play Portsmouth, probably best to do it after they've just lost, I suppose, rather than being on like a five-game winning streak. You yeah. know, it's a, it, it could be a worse time to play them, I suppose, but it, it's a huge win for Exeter City, and that will hopefully give them confidence. And we've seen actually quite a few times this season, the likes of Port Vale, etc., or even Borton Albion earlier in the season under Dino Mamrie when he was still in charge, where a team are just down on their luck when they get a win, they get the second, then they get a third, and then they'll get a draw, and then another win, and then they might dip off again. But the, the points you collect in that little run of form might be enough to, to kind of lift you up the table a little bit. You saw it with Burton Albion, for example. They they had a horrible start to the season mm. and then managed to go on a run where they got to as high as like 12th or something in the league. And they were okay, they dropped off a little bit. But those, those points they picked up there in that space of time are absolutely huge. And the next game we will speak about, though, is another team who are, I suppose, similar, similarly to 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 Exeter had a had a well actually identically to to Exeter they had an unbelievable start of the season and that is Port Vale. However, in the first game of the season, I don't like I haven't actually brought this up in the podcast in a while, so I, I don't I don't feel as bad this time. If you didn't know, they lost seven nil away from home to Barnsley, who they also played on Boxing Day. After about what thirty seven minutes. Of of this game at, at Vale Park on Boxing Day, I don't think there's a single person in that ground that didn't think that that scoreline could have been seven nil again. By that point in time, I think it was 127 minutes had been played. That's not including added and stoppage time, of course, but about 127 minutes of actual, you know, of, of actual minutes had been played of real time, and Barnsley had scored ten or Barnsley had scored ten goals against Port Vale. Which is just wanted to come, quickly come in on that as well. I think in, in the first game as well, was it only like 1 0 or 2 0 at half time? I believe it was one, yeah, it was one or two. It wasn't more than two, it was at least oh, one or two. So, you, yeah. you, like you said, you'd worry about them even more because the first, <laughs> the first half was worse than it was last time. Yeah, I, I genuinely like I, I was watching the, of course, the, the, res, the scores were coming through and the goals were coming through on. on Soccer Saturday on Sky Sports because it was Boxing Day, so they were able to show the highlights. You're they're showing the goals as they go in if people weren't watching it. And the third goal went in through John McAtee, and what a goal, by the way. Incredible mm. goal. And he also scored an unbelievable goal against Stevenage there just before Christmas, I believe, as well. So that's his third goal, actually, in two games. Absolutely brilliant. But it's 3-0 in the 37th minute. I'm thinking, no way. No way. Surely not. In the same, what, what, the same year? against Barnsley, and this time it's at their own ground. But, to their credit, second half, they were absolutely unbelievable, and they had an, a goal ruled out for offside. And it kind of looked marginal, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't really see a great angle of it. It did look marginal. That game could have finished Trial. So, the fight back in the second half was was genuinely wonderful, but just to go to the goal scorers, Adam Phillips took the lead in the 17th minute, and then John McAtee scored in the 32nd and the 37th minute to make it 3-0. But then Ethan Chislett scored in the 72nd to score Port Vale's force. He was the one who scored earlier in the game as well, just after the second half started, but it was ruled outside. And then Jack Shorrock as well in the third minute of stoppage time, pulled one back again. 
you could feel. I, I thought maybe in the in the crowd when the when the second goal went in, the fans. There was still a minute or two left, and the fans maybe felt to you know go and push for an equaliser. Unfortunately, it wasn't to be, but it was still a very good fight back from Andy Crosby's men, and it was. I know fans will be disappointed because a lot of fans actually were 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 extremely angry after the game with uh, David Flickcroft, the uh, director of football, for his because he runs recruitment and the to Andy Crosby's credit, the the anger wasn't directed towards him; it was directed towards Flickcroft, which is something I suppose because he is in charge of recruitment and and recruitment hasn't been good enough, and people have been giving out about the lack of potency they have up front and inexperienced strikers and players that aren't good enough, etc. But what I will say is, while the loss is disappointing, I think they should take courage from the fight back because Barnsley are a good side. Statistically, they are the seventh best side in the league at the moment. They could have crumbled again and lost 7-0. Obviously, Andy Crosby, I'm sure, reminded them at halftime what happened back in August at the start of the season. And they went out and they almost, almost clinched a point. Very, very unlucky. For Port Vale, though, their next game is at home to Blackpool. And it's a good time to play Blackpool as well, which we will get into again shortly. They suffered a very, very disappointing result this weekend. Whereas for Barnsley, they face, of course, as we mentioned a couple of minutes ago, they face Peterborough United away from home on Friday, which is a huge game for them because, okay, it's away from home, but if they pick up a win there, depending on the results, they could be inside the top six. Now, over to you, Adam. We will discuss your team. And I don't want to say it was... I don't want to be mean and say it was one of the most dull games this weekend, but it wasn't the most exhilarating, at least. Talk to me about this game. Do you think Wigan could have snatched a point? Do you think 1-0 was a fair result? Well, to, to be honest, I mean, you could argue that 1-0 wasn't a fair result. It probably should have been more, especially in the first half, I think. Derby absolutely dominated it. Um, Sean Maloney alluded to it that he, he needed to rotate the squad because there's we've been picking up niggly injuries, but we started with seven academy players and as good as they've been this season, individually, you've seen real good moments from them. When they're actually all on the pitch together, when we're in the middle of a not a terrible run, but a, a bad run. Um, it's very difficult. Like we had a debut yesterday, first start for Chris C, who's looked good, um, but but way off it as a starter. We were playing a derby side that has got a lot of experience in its team. I mean, you look at like likes of your know, four side Hurahan, there's. There's others as well, Washington. And there's so many players who have that experience. And, you know, talent-wise, I mean, our academy produces great players. And I'm sure in the future, you know, we'll have that there. But I think yesterday it was men against boys in the first half. We we made a couple of changes at halftime. McManaman came on. And obviously, I mean, there's no... I, I doubt there's any player in League One who's won a man of the match in an FA Cup final. So, <laughs> you know, it's not a bad player to bring on. His fitness isn't what it was, but he can do little bits and pieces. But what, rather than go through the game and our expected goals, I mean, I haven't actually looked at the XG. Well, I was literally just going to... I have the XG here. It was 0. It 0.21 zero. from... It should be zero. <laughs> it's 0.21 from 10 total shots, which is... On average, so on average, each shot that Wigan took had a 2.1% chance of going in, which when you're 
aside in the Premier League, like a Liverpool or a Manchester City or an Arsenal, that would be bad. When you're a League One side, that is woeful because yeah, the quality yeah. levels would be... Okay, you might get yeah. away with a 2% chance in the Premier League if you have a Salah or a Haaland. League One, you won't get away with that. The chances it's, just... Yeah, it's not looked good all season. I mean, I'd... I'm not. I, I don't look at XG every week, but I know about it, and uh, you get a feel for it. And I think the reason why we we are where we are in the league now is because the goals we scored that weren't really expected goals. We scored some like absolute stormers early on in the season. Um, we probably our XG was probably a lot better because we had. I mean, the Carlisle game, for example, in the first half, we um, we were outstanding. We had so many chances. I don't know what the XG would have been for that game. But yesterday and the Lincoln game, I mean, I, I would say our XG was zero. <laughs> well, I didn't, have to, I didn't have to get off my seat, really. I mean, mm. apart from people going past me to go to the bar after about <laughs> 30, 30 minutes, I mean, I'd had a heavy Christmas day, so I just was there on my, on my seat. But there was nothing to get you off your feet. They all tried hard. There's nobody I'll ever go at. Uh, we hung in there. And also, it's very interesting that uh, Paul Warren said after the game that he thought that was the most complete performance of the season. So mm. maybe we're doing, doing ourselves a bit of a disservice. We're just saying we're playing the side that has much more experience. It's got quality that's done it at championship level. In Hurahan played, I think, at a top. Aston Villa side. Aston Villa, yeah. Yeah, where he, he did really well. He obviously did well at uh, Barnsley, I think, as well. You know, he had a good run there. His, his delivery is exceptional. Uh, I just don't think we could cope with it. We need, we need some experience at the back because we're so vulnerable to uh, set pieces at the moment. Um, the only guy that kept the score down was, again, the brilliant Sam Pickle. Yeah, um, made some great saves. Just, I'm just concerned that hopefully we don't lose him in January. Um, but I suspect we'll lose him at the end of the season anyway. I think he might be the difference between us uh, being in a relegation battle and being comfortable mid-table when mm. we get to the last four or five games of the season. But... Fair play to Derby, they're, they're on a great run. I think they're the top of the form table, I think, for the last six games. They've clicked now, haven't they? It took them a while, but they've clicked. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're a top two side in the season. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with Paul Warren, actually, in terms of him saying that it was a, a complete performance by Derby because the lack of chances they gave away, the opportunities they had, it could have been more than 1-0. That's all you can really ask for as as a coach, you know. Limit the opposition's chances and create more yourself. That's it's that basic and it is that simple. And it's, okay, maybe it's not as simple as I make it out to be, but realistically, that is what you want. And Paul Warren isn't a very, I wouldn't label him as a very attacking coach. He's more of a balanced manager who wants balance defensively and attacking. He doesn't want to take too much risk, so he would be absolutely buzzing with that and to walk away with a clean sheet. Considering on the opening day of the season. Wigan came away with a 2-1 win at Pride Park. So I suppose, it, it strangely, Derby beat Wigan at, at, at their ground and, and vice versa. So Yeah, we had a strong... I think Wigan had a strong, stronger side area. Yeah. In mitigation, you know, we're missing four mm. or five first-team players. And yeah. it is very difficult when you've got a young team anywhere to be missing mm. four or five. But I think 
that first game of the season, Derby hadn't clicked. They've not. There were a few players that were injured who hadn't come in, and I think now they've just got that run going. And I think Portsmouth, you know, I know they're going really, really well overall, but there's been a couple of results, and I think they need to look over the shoulder, don't they? Yeah, definitely because they haven't. Well, they've literally lost and, and drawn the last two games, so they've only picked up one point out of the last six. That's obviously not panic stations. It's just. It's a bit of a worry, I'm sure, for John Messini. The new year is now upon us and tis the season for planning your next holiday adventure. Whether you're travelling to Germany for the Euros, France for the Olympics or taking your partner or kids on a much-needed break to the Balearic Islands, downloading NordVPN is a must. NordVPN allows you to watch all sporting events, TV shows and films which are not available in your region by switching your location in just a click to one which is showing the content. So if you're away with the family and miss the pain of watching the EFL team you love the most, concede in the last minute due to a dodgy refereeing decision, then NordVPN is a service for you. NordVPN also acts as your cyber bodyguard whilst online by protecting your personal data and other sensitive information like card details and passwords from falling into the wrong hands. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash real EFL. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support our podcast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. For just the price of one cup of coffee per month, you can download NordVPN today and use it across six, yes, six different devices, one for the whole family. So a massive thank you to NordVPN for supporting this podcast, and you can too by going to nordvpn.com forward slash real EFL to get a discount. The link is in the description. Away days are great, especially when your striker bags a last-minute winner. But there's nothing quite like playing at home. And do you know what? The same goes for McDonald's. Why not maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery? Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yo. But Wigan's next game, of course, is against Carlisle United, which we will get on to now in a second. Whereas Derby County, they have a big game against Oxford United and their level on points with Oxford United. So that's a massive, massive game. However, Ivan, over to you for Fleetwood Town 1, Carlisle United 1. This was a relegation six-pointer and each team came away with one point. Talk to me about what happened in this game because... While I know you may be disappointed, but at least it wasn't a loss, which is just suppose something because a loss would have been very bad away from home. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it is it's a bit of a weird one because I think you've always got to take when you're playing away, you take a point. Mm-hmm. Um and especially if it's like you said, it's a six pointer. If we'd lost, we'd be not out of touch, but you're giving Fleetwood a a bit of a buffer. Um and both teams to be fair, seem fairly content with a point, though I don't really think it helps either of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you might you might say that a point is good, but you look at the bottom uh, six or seven. I think Wigan, sorry Adam, but were the only team to not uh, not pick up a point yesterday. I actually didn't count um, that yet. That is true, actually. And I think you've got like you've seen teams like Exeter, Cheltenham as well. Um, could well last two games, two wins on the bounce, mm-hmm. including a win against Carlisle. Um, you're at risk of those teams starting to get away a bit. So don't know how much a point will help, um, but what can you do? It's not it's not a loss, but Carlo are now bottom and uh, Fleetwood 23rd. I'd like to first start off and say there were fortunately no goalkeeping mistakes this week. Which, from Carlisle? Yeah. Which, there was uh, one from Fleetwood. Yeah. Yeah. Big one. But we've, uh, I think we've been accustomed to it. Um, yeah. And part of that was due to 19-year-old Gabe Breeze being handed his debut. 
Um, he's younger than me and I'm 21, so I feel quite old now, which is slightly scary. But uh, on the whole, he had quite a good debut. And like I said, no no major mistake from him. We played Fleetwood on the first day of the season and Owen Moxon scored an absolute weldy. And he's done that again. So, uh, Is that the free kick at the start of the season? Yeah, so it's yeah, a great free yeah, kick at the start of the season. And then really, he's taken on the half volley, really good strike. Um, <laughs> really uh, like well taken strike. And I don't think the Fleetwood keeper could do too much about it. It's only the fourth time this season that we have taken the lead. And we've taken the lead against Fleetwood twice. So, well, I, I wouldn't mind playing them every week, but I don't know how many 1-1 draws will help us stay up. Um, but just like that opening day, Fleetwood would find the equaliser, this time through Jaden Stockley in the 36th minute, which is a well-taken finish that I don't think Breeze could do uh, anything about. Bar that, there was fairly little action with just five shots on target in the whole game. But the best chance did fall to Ryan Edmondson, which... I'm going to guess this was the goalkeeping mistake that you were uh, yeah. alluding to. Stole the ball of Jay Lynch in the fleet with goal. I do not have a clue what he is doing there. Um, and, yeah, Edmondson tries to chip him, gets it over the keeper, but could only find the side netting, which I think all the fans, all the fans behind the goal are thinking is in. But, yeah, agonisingly close. Uh, it's worrying times now for both with Fleetwood four points from safety and Carlisle five. And I'd just like to give a shout out to CUFC stuff on Twitter. They're really good for um, Carlisle news and like flashbacks as well. Um, when we got relegated in 2013-14 season, uh, we had eight points more than we do at the current, uh, current point, which wow. is a slight worry. We were really bad in the second half of that season, but it's a slight worry. So if there are any Carlisle fans, I'm sorry that it's just doom and gloom. But, well, yeah, if we need a bit of an overhaul in January, let's just say that. Well, I was going to say the January transfer window was almost upon us just a couple of days now, and hopefully the new owners will get their finger out, I suppose, and, and try yeah. and, and bring some new additions in because you desperately do need it. But I just want to say as well, Fleetwood Town are on a really poor run of form because they they had an incline in results when, when Lee Johns and Force came in a couple of months back, but they've suddenly just dropped off again. They look really poor and they go... They in fact, they face Bolton Wanderers away from home next, which is just a, a horrendous game to play when you're when you're down in the dumps, especially after Bolton picking up such a uh, not a big victory. I suppose it was so late on against Lincoln City this week. Whereas, of course, as we said a couple of minutes ago, Carlisle United travel and they face Wigan Athletic on Friday. Just before we move on, though, I want to say as well with, about Fleetwood Town, Phoenix Patterson. If Fleetwood Town go down. He will not stay. He will. He won't stay in in League Two. I would imagine he will go to League One or the Championship. I think he's an absolutely phenomenal player. He got another assist mm. this weekend for for the goal for Fleetwood Town's only goal of the game from Jaden Stockley, a really really impressive player. And just in terms of the stats, before we move on as well, the ex- like, I mean that statistically, I know I don't keep going on about XG because I know it's quite a divisive subject and some people don't like it, but I I don't like XG as as a whole when you say, okay, this team had 3XG because it doesn't tell you the full story about the actual quality. You can have 3XG but have 100 chances. Then that means the XG, when you divide that in, then the XG of each shot is tiny. I'm more, I want to know more about the XG of each shot. And the XG in this game was 0.62 to 0.34 from Fleetwood's 11 shots to Carlisle's 9, which means, I mean, like, 
Fleetwood Town, each of their shots were having like less than 6% chance of going in each time. Carlisle's was even lower than that. It's just it it's really how poor it is at the minute. Yeah, it just really yeah. was poor from both sides who were. Fleetwood Town aren't, aren't as bad offensively as you are, I suppose, but it's only two <laughs> goals in the difference. It's not wonderful, but it really was just yeah. disappointing from both sides as they came. Is that the away. local derby? Is, is that the local derby pretty much as well? Uh, Fleetwood is probably one of the most local. Yeah, you win a Barrow in, um, well, we had Barrow last season, but yeah, I'd probably say Fleetwood's up there with one of the closest up, up to Carlisle. Yeah. yeah. And just onto another side that picked up a huge. Three points this weekend in the battle for survival. It's Daryl Clark's Cheltenham Town. They beat Shrewsbury Town to nil. I just, I, I don't know whether to. I actually, I, I was thinking whether I should start positively and talk about how good Cheltenham Town have been under Daryl Clark, or do I go negatively and and talk about Shrewsbury Town because it's the Christmas period and I'm in a, a festive mood. I will start positively and talk about Cheltenham Town. They have been absolutely unbelievable this season. This win actually moved them off the bottom of the League One table. Back-to-back wins. George Lloyd opened the scoring in the 34th minute. Through a really nice header. George Lloyd actually had a fantastic game, not just because of his goals. He created some great opportunities and had a couple of other chances as well. And then he sealed three points in the 85th minute. In 12 matches under Daryl Clark. Cheltenham Town have had five wins. Of Cheltenham Town's 19 points this season, 18 have come under Clark. <laughs> if only they had him at the beginning of the season, they may have been way up, the, not way up the table, but certainly not inside the relegation zone now. I feel like at the time, maybe they pulled the trigger a little too late on Wade Elliott's time in charge. I don't want to be too mean to him, but I mean, what was it, like an 11 game? Without a goal, wasn't it? 10 or 11? Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Just saying that there is a precedent. Um, Burton three years ago looked like they were absolutely stuffed. And then uh, Hasselbank came in. Uh, that was the uh, yeah. The point I was making was Hasselbank came in and they were seven or eight points drift. I think in this league you can make the points up pretty quickly mm. because you often you play three matches a week and if you can get a bit of momentum. I certainly wouldn't be ruling out, even despite that horrendous start. I mean, I don't even know if that was a record for not scoring. Uh, uh, it was, wasn't it? I think it was. Yeah, 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 it was a record. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know that that run that they're on at the moment is. I think the last six games, I look at the form table. I think they're in seventh, but the run as a whole, I think, would probably be top six form. I would say so. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I I wouldn't write them off staying up at the moment, which worries me because we're one of the potential targets <laughs> to be looking at. <laughs> looking at. I just think it's it's fascinating that a team who who have just struggled that much at the start of the season, as I said, went to eleven games to do a goal. They actually have more goals now than Shrewsbury Town and Exeter City, which. I'll get on to Shrewsbury Town in a moment, but I find that bizarre because they all had like an 11 game head start, which is just wild. But it's a huge, huge win for Cheltenham Town. George Lloyd actually hadn't scored this season before that goal went in. That was his first and second goal of the season. So a very impressive game by him. And he could have had more, to be fair. He had a couple of really good chances. They face Reading at home as well then on Friday, which is just massive for both sides, really. They're both level on points in, in, in the relegation zone. However, 
I have to move on to the negatives and talk about Shrewsbury Town. The joint worst attack in the league and the third worst defence. It is abysmal. It is genuinely abysmal this season. I cannot believe they are as high as they are. And I don't mean to sound disrespectful to Shrewsbury Town or Shrewsbury Town fans. I have absolutely nothing against Shrewsbury Town at all. I just look at the run of games and I think, how are you? I know they have a game extra in hand and sometimes they've, or, compared to some teams, they have two games, played two games more, sorry, I should say. But how on earth their they're 15th is just beyond me, considering how poor they've been. I mean, just 14 goals in 24 matches is dreadful, is absolutely dreadful. Their joint top goal scorers this season are, are, are Ryan Bowman and, and Daniel Udo, who've have four apiece. It's just really not looking good. And in this game as well, just the most worrying part against Shelton Town, aside that, okay, they've done really well under Daryl Clark, but they still have one of the worst defences in the league. They didn't even have a shot on target. They didn't have a shot on target. It's not looking good. In fact, it's 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 looking terrifying for Shrewsbury Town fans. As I said, they've picked up a couple of good wins in recent weeks. They had a dreadful start to the season, got a couple of wins, and now they're just in free fall again. And I'm, I, I'm, as I said to you, I'm just very, very surprised that they have actually managed to somehow hold down 15 spots. Yeah, right because... it's like one of those sides that just, they, they seem to be always on a mini terrible run, but then they kind of, Pick up a like a one 0 win or something because they, in terms of in terms of the form uh, last I always go back six games because it's if you you know if you go four it could be just a blip so I think six games is a fair enough reflection of how they're doing and uh, they're about seventeenth I think in the table so they, I think they picked up two wins. But given those stats, I mean, I, off the top of my head, I can't remember who the wins were against. Uh, well, I actually but... just have them here because from the 4th of November to the 9th of December, they played nine games, won six, lost two and drew one, which is really impressive. That's a really good run of form. Yeah. And then since then, it's lost, lost, lost. The three losses in a row, they've scored one goal and that came away against... Peterborough United, which is uh, that was just so it's the, it, essentially if we went for the four game form table, it's the, it was kind of the end of the good run where they were picking up the wins, um, yeah. and now they're going into kind of a run of form that seems to replicate the stats. Really, you know, yeah. if you, it's a recipe for disaster, isn't it? If you can't score goals and you're conceding them, eventually it's going to catch up on you. Oh, definitely, and I mean they've. The wins they've, they've, or the times they've managed to win, sorry, I should say, they've won 1 0. I think three or four times, four times, mm-hmm. I think this season in League One alone, they've won 1 0, which means obviously you get three points, but it just means statistically when you're looking at the table, that's why they only have 14 goals scored in, in 24 matches and they've fewer goals uh, scored than, than Cheltenham Town, who didn't score for the first 11, 12 games mm-hmm. of the season. And, I just feel like I always talk about stats in this podcast and I know some people are listening that probably hate me and I get that and that's fine. But when you look at statistics, teams in football will always always regress to their means. So if a team is massively outperforming their statistics, they'll eventually drop off. If a team is 
like I look at uh, you know if a team is is massively underperforming but they're they're getting they'll they'll end up kind of moving to the mean and they'll start picking up results oh. if, if their performances are good. Shrewsbury Town performances are terrible. And yeah, I'll be yeah I'm, I'm being honest and I don't want to see, yeah. see me and but they, they, they've been genuinely dreadful and now we're seeing them again drop off regress to their means and that's worrying because they now face Borton Albion away from home in the next game on Friday and Borton Albion can potentially go will, will go above them sorry with a win and considering they picked up a massive three points at the weekend I'd fancy Borton Albion yeah yeah, I think I think for, for Shrewsbury it's a really bad time for them to be playing Burton, and for Burton it's a really good time for them to be <laughs> yeah. playing Shrewsbury. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I don't see why why Burton can't beat them. Well, I was I was going to say a minute ago, problem with Shrewsbury if their opponent scores two goals, they're never going to win. Yeah, <laughs> they just that is it. That's, yeah, that's the issue. Like, and and they as as we just said, they face Burton next, and then they face Fleetwood Town, and if they lose both, which they might. You're, you know, you're worried. But anyway, look, we've spent enough time. I've spent enough time ranting about Shrewsbury Town. I just think, what a dreadful team they've been this season. And I think a lot of a couple of one nil results have papered over a lot of the cracks this season for them. Yeah. But hopefully, they haven't lost any Shrewsbury listeners. I hope not. I, I, again, as I said, I have absolutely nothing against beautiful, them. I have beautiful nothing against part them. of the world, or beautiful part of the country. I love it. I've heard that actually. I've heard it's a very nice part. Adam, I will come to you now. Stevenage three. Northampton Town, nil. I believe this is only the third time this season Northampton Town have lost by more than one or two goals. A really disappointing result for Northampton Town. And they, I mean, okay, a couple of the goals were, well, the second goal in particular was unbelievable. I don't know if he meant that we'll get onto that now in a second, but some of the defending was really poor. And I actually think this is kind of one of, I don't want to say they're a unique selling point. It's not a unique selling point to just defend well, but they've looked really solid in certain games. And I don't think anyone in the league would want to play against Northampton Town this season. They've been that solid and they were up, up as high as 10th going into the Boxing Day fixtures. And then they get kind of mauled a little bit by Stevenage, who, again, just are on such an impressive run of form. I know they lost just before Christmas, but the fact that Stevenage are still sixth, even. It's unbelievable. What did you make of the game and did he mean it? Uh, well, I like to sort of bring, obviously, uh, you guys are massive on your stats, but I like the, that's more the quantitative research. I like the qualitative analysis. Um, so Steve Evans said he didn't mean it, but he put it into the right area because they were comparing it to that Cissé uh, goal for Newcastle. No chance. Like 10, who who 10 years ago. <laughs> What? That's not me. That was that was the person who was describing it on the ITV goals. No chance. No, oh, no. chance. So, but um, <laughs> the uh, right into ITV. That's not the view of the podcast or myself. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I. Um, I mean, you've got to say on the pitch, the they're a very efficient sides. They. They've obviously got someone up front that can score some goals. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he'll have some figures for us, but I think he's got about 16, 17 goals now, hasn't he? Um, and I've forgotten his name. Jamie Reid, I believe it is 14, actually. But I'm going to get the stats. Maybe it's in all competitions he's got more, but yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a decent scoring rate, isn't it? It's certainly better than... Two of us on this podcast are suspect we haven't got anyone who's scored that many goals. Um, but the goals they scored, I think Northampton would be disappointed with them because 
like you said, they've been very tight and they, it seemed a bit too easy to just play through them yesterday. Mm. Uh, Stevenage will just do the simple things. They'll, they work on very simple patterns of play, I suspect. But, you know, sometimes the simple things bring out the best results. And at the start of the season, a very few people would have expected them to be where they are now. However, uh, as Steve Evans always seems to do, uh, I think we've been on the podcast before when we talk about his interviews and things that he gets into his interviews. Well, he managed to get Sherry into this interview. <laughs> yeah, he was um, he was talking about like what he thought the perception of uh, Stevenage was from uh, from other managers because obviously they came came up last season and they did really well, but. I think John Brady was kind of saying that they had Stevenage had resources, and um, basically Steve Evans said, uh, "I think he may have gone too hard on the sherry." Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know what the transfer budget is. I do but... find that interesting. Nothing to drop you, Adam, but I do find that interesting when Steve Evans, I believe, to at least once, maybe twice this season, has had a go with other managers and teams for having bigger budgets than him and those managers haven't retaliated so I find that interesting that he seemed to take offence to John Brady's comments but anyway yeah I did. I, but the thing is it's are they if they are spending a bit of money are they getting value for money if you compare it to other sides maybe you spent a bit more I think they're getting whatever you know the players they brought in I mean I didn't look deeply mm. into Stevenage recruitment at the start of the season, but clearly they um I mean the game against Wigan that they played earlier in the season, it was an awful game, but we never really looked like scoring and Stevenage looked very efficient. And I think efficiency, particularly towards the end of the season, I think I wouldn't rule them out being in the playoffs. I can't see them finishing higher than six. I think mm. they'll sneak if they do if they do get in, they'll they'll sneak in. But if you sneak in, I wouldn't want to be playing them in a playoff, especially if you're one of the sure. big sides like Bolton or Portsmouth or Barnsley or Derby, who the expectation's so high. I wouldn't want to be playing Stevenage, definitely not. So, I, you know, I don't like Steve Evans particularly, but you've got to give him credit for what he's what he's done this season. You know, one day I will have someone on this podcast that will turn around to me and say, I love Steve Evans. Because <laughs> nobody has yet. I, I genuinely, I like, I think it's, I don't know, I, I have no ill feelings to watch. I don't even know I don't, why I don't like him. But so many people, every time they go on the podcast, like like, Gary, of course, the founder of the real EFL, he's the same. He <laughs> always gives out about Steve Evans when he, whenever he's on. And people just, he's a very divisive character. And I get it. I get why. I understand why. But one day I will have someone that absolutely adores Steve Evans, has Steve Evans posters on his bedroom wall. Just quickly before we move on statistically, because I know I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an awful man for the stats. But, Adam just said there that Northampton Town, or, or sorry, when when Wigan Athletic faced Stevens, they never looked like scoring. Northampton Town didn't either. They had two shots, and one was from about fifty yards by Mitch Pinnock. In total, they had two shots. The XG was zero point zero two, which is woeful, absolutely woeful. Stevens dominated from start to finish. If Paul Warren said his Derby County side put in a complete performance. I would have to say Stevenage put in the most complete performance of the weekend. Stevenage's XG on the other hand was 1.95. And that doesn't take into account the fact that their second goal had no, no XG. It, was, it didn't even come onto the XG charts. It was a 0% chance of, of, of going in. So it was just a really, really impressive win by 
Stevenage. Now, Ivan, over to you for Oxford United 2, Cambridge United 1. A very controversial way, or, or goal, sorry, to, to finish this game. Very, I, I suppose I'm I'm quite a sad man. I was watching the highlights earlier and I slowed the you I slowed YouTube down to zero point two five, so I could see if it was on or off, and I still didn't come to a conclusion. What 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 was your take? It's really difficult to see from the angle you're given on the highlights. It it's so tight that the well the winner was really tight. I mean, it shouldn't have really happened in the first place. Keith should have done a fair bit better with it, but to lose it in that in that um in that capacity and mm. like in the last minute I feel like it's well it's gutting if you're a Cambridge fan or it's jubilation if you're an Oxford fan. Um and that was yeah Neil Harris's first defeat as Cambridge's manager. I think he's done he's done a fairly good job since well fairly he's probably an understatement. He's done a really good job since he's came in. Um and it was a come from behind victory for Oxford, sorry, uh with Jordan uh, when Jordan Cousins capitalising on some sloppy defending uh, from a corner in the first half to put Cambridge one up. I think that's something, I think it's the third or fourth set-piece goal that Cambridge have already scored under Harris. Um, So I think that's something that he's potentially um, drilled in straight from the off. However, despite having 15 shots, that was one of just two shots on target for Cambridge in the whole game. Um, which I'm sure there's probably some XG stats there from you in a bit, but uh, it's not always. Oxford <laughs> yeah. um, fight back well in the second half, uh, and they were by far the better side in the second half. I think first half is fairly, or at least from the highlights, it was um, it was fairly even. But I think the second half, Oxford probably looked the better of the two, mm-hmm. and their hard work was rewarded with a peach of an effort from Tyler Goodman in their 54th minute, uh, which would level the scores. And they look likely to then go ahead. But uh, Jack Stevens in the Cambridge goal would make, in my opinion, one of the saves of the season from Cameron Brannigan. Game really, uh, game down really well to his right. Um, and then it did look, then look like the sports would be shared until Oxford found that controversial winner in the 95th minute. And after just praising um, Stevens. He has made a bit of a flap of the first effort. Um, and whether or not, as I said, whether or not if it's, it's offside or not, I do feel like it's um, a scenario which could have been avoided in the first place. It was uh, Kieran Brown who rolled the ball into the net. I think it went through his legs as well. So a um, bit of a comical ending to the game. It puts Oxford into fifth. And after not the best of starts under Buckingham, two wins in their last three, they somewhat consolidated their place in the playoffs. Um, and Cambridge, however, dropped to 14th. Mm-hmm. But they're playing a lot better under Harris than they were Mark Bonner. So I think, although they lost, there's still some positives to take from the game. Definitely. And just in terms of, of the stats, or you said I was going to read the stats out, and I definitely was, because the stats are actually really interesting. You said it was, or you alluded to it being like a... A game of two halves or a tail of two halves, and it, it really was. First half, Oxford United had three shots, an XG of 0.33. Second half, they had 13 shots and an XG of 0.77. First half, Cambridge United had 11 shots. Second, they had four. It really was just a, kind of a, a, a polar opposite performances from both sides in the in the 
the first and second halves, I probably felt maybe a point was a fair result. But, you know, I actually, when I watched the, the highlights of the, the winner, I thought there was about four of them that were offside. But, and, and then, as I said to you, I did slow it down and I still couldn't tell because I can't remember what player it was. was it looked like he was keeping him on, but it was literally married. It was a, a mm. centimetre. It was absolutely crazy. Oxford United, they placed, they faced Derby County next, which is a very, very big game. And Cambridge United, they faced Stevenage away from home, which is a very, very tough fixture. Now, over to the, the, the third last game we're going to discuss, and that is... Another team that lost quite late in the game, it's it's Lincoln City nil, Bolton Wanderers won. There's a, I was going to say a couple, there's probably more link. <laughs> Adam just put his thumbs down for it, for the audio listeners. Well, everyone's an audio listener. <laughs> uh, we've a, several Lincoln City fans at the real EFL and they were, I'm sure, absolutely good because it was a bit of a back to the wall game for a lot for, for them at least but especially late in the game when Danny Mandrew again Danny no Danny Mandrew is a is a player I know very well he played for Bows in Ireland who are more local to me than my local club in Dublin he also played for Shamrock Rovers which if people don't know in Irish football it's a big no-no he did that then he went to Lincoln City in Mark Kennedy's last game in charge, he was sent off as Lincoln City lost to Borton Albion. That was and Mark Kennedy was sacked. Then I don't remember the outlet that published the article. It may have been the Athletic. I'm not too sure, but they said anyway that one of the reasons Kennedy was sacked was because of his comments after the game about Danny Mandrew. His comments were people should just go and read them. I I, I can't. I'll only be paraphrasing. He, he was basically very displeased with Mandrew getting sent off. And then this game, a game where Lincoln City really, really need to cling on for a point. Not desperately. I mean, it's, it's not as if they're in any trouble in the league, but it would have been an excellent point. He goes and gets himself sent off so late in the game, in the 72nd minute. Just a, And it was so silly. It was so silly. And for those, for anyone arguing saying it wasn't, it was a red card. It was absolutely 100% a red card in my eyes. Absolutely. It's a shocking, shocking tackle. And he gets sent as marching orders. And if Lincoln City's task wasn't difficult, it certainly was made even harder by him going off, being down to 10 men. And if Bolton actually had a couple of chances in the build-up to their goal. I believe Dion Charles even had one chance at the back post. And it was, there was a show for handball. I, it, the replay wasn't wonderful, so I can't really tell you for certain whether it was a handball or not. But anyway, they eventually did score, and it was on toll. He got his third goal of the season. The 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 the, the ball was put in by Josh Sheehan, and that was his sixth assist. A huge win for Bolton Wanderers. Really, really big win because both Peterborough United and Portsmouth dropped points this weekend. So that was massive. They managed to gain some ground after they actually were on a, a they, this was their second consecutive win, but before those two games, before Saturday, they had lost two games and drawn. So they were on a bit of a blip in form after they had gone on such a wonderful run and they suffered a little blip, but they're back to winning ways now. And that was a big, big win in the title race, especially because Portsmouth and, and Peterborough have some difficult games coming up. So it was a, 
a very, very nice win for Bolton Wanderers. They've actually done the double over Lincoln City now, having beaten them 3-0 at the start of the season, but they need to find consistency. And thankfully, well, I don't want to say thankfully, yeah, because it's away from home, but they do face, face Fleetwood Town in the next game, which you would fancy them, of course, because Fleetwood Town are in just such a poor run of form at the moment. And just to move on with, by reading some stats, because what else would I would I do? Lincoln City had 29% of the ball. That's how much they were backs against the wall in that game. Bolton Wanderers, of course, had 71. The shots were four shots to the hosts, while the visitors had 21. Probably a deserved win, the Bolton Wanderers. But it would have been amazing for Lincoln City to get out of that game with a point. Danny Mandrew needs to just be smarter. He needs to. Mm-hmm. It's, he did the same against Borton Albion a couple of weeks ago when Mark Kennedy was sacked. It was a silly, silly challenge that he made. He got sent off. He basically cost his team. He, it reportedly, allegedly, was one of the reasons, was a, a leading factor to Mark Kennedy getting sacked because it was post-match in, interview, post-match interview about it. And again here, he lets his team down. He just needs to do better. And I like Danny Mandrew. I think he's a really good player. Okay, certain fans have been critical of him in recent weeks for his performances. That's fine. In the League of Ireland, he was sensational. A really, really good talent. He just needs to be smarter. But anyway, on to our penultimate game. And over to you, Adam. It's Leighton Orient 1, Charlton Athletic nil. Charlton, four games without a win. But they hadn't lost until Boxing Day. Adam, this is a really good result for Leighton Orient, may I add, because they're actually just, they move within one point to Charlton Athletic. But just not great for, for Michael Appleton. I mean, Michael Appleton took over from Dean Holden and people thought Dean Holden was struggling in the job. Is it is it time to kind of stop blaming the managers? Because actually Appleton himself a few weeks ago alluded to the fact that the club's recruitment has been woeful, basically. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but he said it hasn't been good enough and that they need to start recruiting better. Yeah, it's a pattern, really, isn't they're it? just I, cycling through managers now, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think how many years now they've been playing at this level. Because they're always seen as one of the bigger clubs. Uh, you always kind of expect them to be there all the about. But uh, I think they've probably had four or five seasons now, maybe at this uh, level. I remember them being in the championship with Wigan about five years ago. So, But Lee Bowyer in charge, wasn't it? Yeah. In fact, I think it might be four years because I think they came down with Wigan when we were in administration. Yeah. But they're a big club. You know, the, it's not that long ago, is it, since they're in the Premier League? Um, and they've had problems with owners themselves, but I think they've been underperforming, in my view, for what the stature of the club is. Um, and it doesn't seem like anyone can unlock that. I mean, Ipswich last year seemed to, they'd gone through a similar phase, and Sunderland had as well, and someone just unlocked it. <laughs> And you thought Appleton might do it after his start. But yesterday, to be fair, I think the first half, they you know, they missed some chances. Um, mm. They were the much better side in the first half, from what I can gather. Uh, but if you don't take your chances, and let an Orient to a side that, you know, they're really in a good position, you know, from where they've, where they've come from. Um, they'll be very, very happy with the first half of the season. And it was a bit of an odd, I mean, it was a weird goal. I mean, the, um, the, the they couldn't, the, the first ball that came in, it, you know, they couldn't get rid of it. Um, 
and you know it's just the way it works isn't it you know he'd only just been on the pitch I think for one or two minutes Bogle yeah. and he um he scores the winning goal and I think that's it was good sign. work by Shaq Ford wasn't it on the right yeah, hand side that's good, right, yeah. Ball, yeah yeah I think when you get to when this starts happening to you I think it's concerning because there is bits of good play, but they don't seem to be able to get over the line. It's almost because the second half, Leighton Orient were much better and it looked like Charlton had lost a bit of confidence in the second half. So, yeah, like you said, I mean, would you have said at the start of the season that Leighton Orient would be right next to Charlton in the table? Probably not. Yeah. But, you know, that that's what League One's like sometimes and it's not it's not this easy league that people think you can just walk, you know, to sides of Portsmouth, you know, they're another one. They've been in this league for a long time now. A long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, they're not completely out of it, Charlton, but I, I was having a quick look actually before we go on to the last game. At the There seems to be a gap developing now between sort of Barnsley are in seventh and the sides that... The, the next two sides down. Blackpool and Lincoln, yeah, there's a couple. Yeah, I mean, from the, from the, seventh the, to ninth, there's a there's a Yeah, I know. Like we said before, it can change quickly, but I think um, at the moment it's it's a lot tighter at the bottom than it is, at, and it's obviously tight at the top, mm. but not necessarily. There, there seems to be that maybe gap. Um, inconsistency probably, I won't say quality, but gap in consistency between the sort of top seven and the rest of rest of the league at the moment. Um be interesting to see what, what happens, you know, during the course of the next uh, few months, whether whether we're we're right to say it's six and seven in the playoffs or whether someone goes on a like Carlisle go on a storming run and, and win every game. Like Barnsley, say, there's not Barnsley, a chance of that. Barnsley, <laughs> Bar- look at Barnsley 2016, where they were at this stage of the season, bottom, and they yeah. got promoted. Yeah, and just to correct myself, actually, from a, a moment ago, I said Shaq Ford because he started on the right. It was actually uh, Daniel Agye that got the assist for that goal, and it was a wonderful assist at that. But for Richie Wellens, I'm very happy for him because they were on a pretty pretty poor run of form recently, and people were. It was a bit touch- not not touch and go. I mean, I don't know any it, behind the scenes and what the board were going to do, but fans were getting very frustrated. We actually had a really good piece that went out on the real EFL website. I can't for the life and remember who wrote it now, but it was a really good piece defending Richie Welland and why he should be he should keep his job. Which when when I read the piece, I realised why it was even silly to consider sacking him in the first place because yeah. of where he took them from and and where they are now and the fact that they're literally a point behind Charlton Athletic. They are smack bang middle of the table in League One compared to where they were two years ago, 18 months ago. It was pretty impressive. Victim of their own success, isn't it? Yeah. When you start winning and getting close to the playoffs and then you drop down a bit, you yeah. don't look at it holistically, do you? Recency bias, but yeah, you're absolutely right. He's done a fantastic job and it was another good battling win yesterday. Yeah, yeah. huge, huge win. Now, Ivan, over to you for the last game. And it's Borton Albion won. Blackpool nil. Big win. Big win for Borton Albion. And they have some, I don't want to say some winnable games next, but certainly their next game is is, is fairly winnable against against Shrewsbury Town, who we who I ranted about for about ten minutes. Talk to me about this about this game because it was a bit of a 
I don't want to say a snooze first, but just the goal came in the 10th minute and then kind of nothing really happened after that. Yeah, um, I think we always look at Boxing Day and say how it's got the potential to throw up an upset. And I'd probably say this is one of them. Burton yeah. have been in shocking form recently. Mm. Really, really bad form. Um, it's their first league win since 21st of October. Um, and yeah, they've not been playing very good football otherwise. Had they not won on uh, on Tuesday, I think they'd be just two points clear of the relegation zone. So it's a mm-hmm. huge, huge three points for them. Um, and to be fair, they've got quite lucky because Blackpool had one of their massive off days, which I think we've been fairly accustomed to in recent weeks. Um, and they didn't have a single shot on target, Blackpool, in the whole game. So yeah. Burton got lucky in that respect. But then again, you can also give the uh, defence and plaudits. Um, and the only, like you said, the only goal of the game did come after just 10 minutes. And it does look to be a cross to me um, from um, from Bobby uh, Camus. Yeah. But he's it's, it's found its way into the net and he's deserved it given the skill that he showed to even get in that position. It's mm. a great touch down the wing. He takes up two of the Blackpool players with just one touch. But like you said, apart from that, there wasn't much else there. Blackpool were really wasteful in front of goal. And the performance does sum up these recent inconsistencies that we've been accustomed to. I think they've won three of the last six, but it's their form reads, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win. Yeah. So they just cannot get any sort of consistency. And that's probably one of the main reasons why they find themselves in eighth and not in sixth at mm. the minute. Uh, so, yeah, that sees them say eighth. And now there's seven points off the playoffs. And they are starting to fall out of touch a bit. Because now there's a, there's even a five-point gap between them and Barnsley in seventh. Um, and like, like I said, that's a burden. It's an absolutely massive result. And they've got that winnable fixture against Shrewsbury, which could see them go ahead of them. And maybe even as high, yeah, as high as fifteenth with other results going their way. Yeah, but like Blackpool at the minute, I think fans will be more than more than pretty annoyed because you've mm-hmm. got so many good players. You've got Jordan Rhodes, for God's sake. He missed a great chance. He, he did miss. Chance. Yeah, he did. He did have his shooting boots on yesterday, and I mean, there's obviously been rumours about will Huddersfield recall him and. If they, if, I mean, if they do recall him, I think Blackpool will struggle massively. The amount of goals he's brought, I think he's 14, is he on 14 or 15? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I believe only... Or it might, yeah, sorry, he's he's joined up goal scorer with 15 and, and he's okay. got 18 goal contributions and all. Or, I, or, I, think I, in j- I, think, I think I jinxed him. If you remember, I put him in the, uh, you know, the sort of the uh, first half season uh, team of the year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if he scored a goal since. So <laughs> yeah, it's just it's bizarre. He has more goal contributions than any other player in the league this season. And imagine you lose him. If they, yeah, if they yeah. lose him, I think that they, I, I could see them even falling out of the top, the top ten. I just think oh. he's brought so like he's brought eighteen goal contributions to the side. Yeah. I think he's obviously that focal point, that talisman, and losing that then they'll really struggle in the second half of the season. And I think it could be another year in League One for Blackpool. Mm-hmm. And Borton Albion, just, just before we move on, Borton Albion, they face Shrewsbury Town, of course. But Blackpool, they are away to Port Vale. Uh, and both sides suffered a really, disapp- really disappointing results on Boxing Day and we will be hoping to 
I suppose get a get a win really. Port Vale might feel they fancy their chances against Blackpool, especially after that fight back against Barnsley. We'll wrap up the podcast there, gentlemen. Ivan, what are your plans for this week? Uh, meeting a couple of mates a couple of times. I've lost complete lack of what day it is. As it always, is Wednesday. Between, between between Christmas and uh, New Year's, <laughs> it's always that weird period in between. So, yeah, just me going out with friends a couple of times and trying to avoid football as much as possible at the minute. That's a good idea. Adam, how about yeah. you? Uh, well, I've got a, a reunion tomorrow, my old uh, football teammates. So, might be a, a few drinks consumed there. Um, and that readies me then for the massive six-pointer on Friday. Uh, but hopefully we'll be in good spirits because uh, Roberto Martinez will be visiting the supporters club. Will he? Yes, to, uh, to be unveiled as the uh, honorary president of the uh, supporters club. So uh, That's amazing. That's really cute. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, he, he, he's a proper Ligonner, really. He might go to Belgium and Portugal, but he prefers <laughs> well, he prefers a pie to a tapas now. <laughs> well, they'll be, of, of course, in action during the summer at the Euros, uh, as Portugal will be, of course. That's really cool. I didn't know that. That's really, really interesting. But anyway, to everyone listening at home, make sure to drop us a five-star rating if you enjoyed the podcast. It means the world to us. So make sure to tune in on Sunday, maybe. I believe it might be Sunday, as we dissect all the weekend results for your wonderful ears once more. Thank you all for listening, and goodbye for now. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching your team on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share box on the go. And you know what? Your mates already got booked for double dipping. But then later on, you steal in, grab the last nugget and snatch all three points. Perfect. Why not order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app? Are you in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.